I'm Professor Neil Feinstein, and this is Conversations with the Creators, sponsored by St. John's Master's Program in Integrated Advertising Communications. Ideas thrive here. Today I'm talking to Helene Spivak. This is how she describes herself on her website. I'm a smart ass with a quick wit. That's one reason I like her so much. The other reason is that I've admired her work forever. When I started in advertising, I'd read the, I'd read the trade magazines voraciously, and Helene's name was always coming up because she was always winning awards. She started as a copywriter, worked at some of the most creative agencies in New York City, and at one point was the chief creative officer of Young and Rubicam, Emirati and Puris, and J. Walter Thompson. She even had a stint as a stand-up comedian. Now, she teaches how to be a creative director at Miami Ad School and is a life coach. I feel so lucky to have Helene here today. Helene, what a career! (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't bad. I had a very good run. You're still running though, right? As fast as I can. Right. So to give me the elevator pitch. What to just take us through that whole uh, I was going to be an actress, comedian, musical comedy star, can't sing, can't dance. I could be funny occasionally. So I ended up uh going to art school, because uh, I could draw a little bit. Then I wanted to go to fashion school, which I also did. Then came the acting. Long story short, I fell into a job at Delafamina Travisano and Partners when they were hot. And I got a job as a secretary in the creative department and typed copy. And as I'm typing copy, I go, this is funny. I think I could do this. Took a course of visual arts. Uh, My boss, Tom Messner, and his partner teaching, Ted Shane, ended up uh, hiring me. Tom I worked for, and Ted became my partner at Amorati. And I can't tell you, uh, I, I describe it as not the ladder to success. I really had an escalator. That's amazing. Right. And you were at the top. But it's so interesting to me because you were so you were in the you were in advertising in the 70s, in the 80s and the 90s. And those of us who watched uh, Mad Men certainly knew what advertising was like in the set in the 60s and the 70s for women. But you were very successful. How did you navigate all of that? Ah, crazy. Let's just call it craziness. <laughs> um, I, I think because all I did was look forward. I didn't see gender bias at that time. I, I saw it later in salary differences. But I just thought, why not me? And uh, Carl Alley called me. I, I didn't realize that I was a copy cub, which is usually what they call you if you're working in the newspapers. But I was a copy cub. And I stayed there for 10 years. And I, I described that place as Camelot. It was, uh, you know, that old adage, uh, if you find something you love, you don't work a day in your life. That's what it felt like, except we work like crazy. But um, I had I had a dream career. What was the secret source at Alley? Tell me about it. Why, did, why was it so great? Uh, can I use language? Or, or yeah, yeah I... go for it. Right. Um, these, are, these are college students. They understand those words. <laughs> Alley was a really rough and tumble kind of uh, go for the jugular advertising agencies. If you had a claim to make, make it. We were arrogant, impossible. I didn't even know I was working when I started at the best agency of its time, kind of like the Shia Day, Wyman Kennedy of its time. And we did it by being, you know, aggressive and doing comparative ads. 
And we used to joke that when uh, when someone would call, the operator would get on the phone. This is back when we had human beings answer the phone. And it would be, um, Ali and Gargano, fuck you. <laughs> so there were no pitches back then. We just showed the agency reel. This is the work we do. You want to come to us? This is the kind of uh, work you'll get from us. So it were, they were glory days. And what were some of the accounts that you worked on while you were there? Well, uh, I worked on Pan Am, that uh, oh, wow. wonderful and, and gone for a long time um, airline. And I worked on, you know, I, I worked on a little bit of everything uh, that we had back then. But I, what they were famous for, I worked for the other things, and uh, which was great because uh, I got a lot of work to work on. And it, it mostly thanks to my mentor uh, and my first supervisor, who was Tom Messner. But I worked on Barney's. I worked on um, AccuTrim. I worked on, uh, which got me my first attention. I, they were just a bunch of funny commercials. It's, it's interesting. Our client, when we presented amusing work for AccuTrim, which is an appetite suppressant, um, they said, humor in this category? Now, humor doesn't work because all they did was, you know, here's me. I lost here my pants. I can't even, I could, you know, I could put four people in here now. And I said, having been dieting since the day I learned that, you know, there was a Weight Watchers in the world, I said, if you don't have a sense of humor after losing the same 10 pounds for 20 years, you'll never have a sense of humor. And so they tested the commercials and women went crazy for them and said, that's me. And I had a woman flying through the air to a pulsating cheesecake in her in her refrigerator. So... Um, you know, it's kind of knowing what you're doing, knowing how to do it. And I did it from a, a female point of view, which I guess was also a little bit different back then because there were so many men writing things for women. Did they, did they put women only on female counts or did they, you know, was it, was there at something? One, how did they decide one, what account you worked on? Well, here's, here's how I did it. Um, they had assigned men to a pitch for Vital. And I said, look, guys, um, you can put whoever you want on it, but do you think maybe you want somebody on it that actually um, menstruates, you know, if we're going to do mitol? Uh, so I ended up getting on the pitch, but their first instinct was always to put the guys on. And they were the, and they were the rock stars at the agencies. Uh, yeah, I mean, Allie was pretty, um, I mean, that's, I used to think that the business was absolutely gender blind. But that's because um, I just didn't take no for an answer, and I didn't realize that some people did. Right, that's amazing. So, so then you went. So you went to Ali. From there, you went to Amirati and Puris, right? Yeah. Now that was yeah. a very elegant agency. Even the advertising was very elegant. It was. Um, it, <laughs> it it was so different and yet the same as 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 uh, Ali. Ali, it, it was Ali with manners, and. Every, everything was perfect because Ralph Amirati was an absolute um, neat perfection freak. You couldn't have pictures of your family up. You couldn't have if it, unless your family was in the Pantone color gray. You know, maybe <laughs> then you could do that. But uh, otherwise, you know, just I think it was four oh nine gray is 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 the Pantone color, and um, it was everything was perfect and beautiful. The nice thing about them is they were as good to the people that worked for them as they were to themselves. And it was like Ali and Gargano, uh, even though Carl was an account person, he was an, a creative guy. I mean, the, the lines would just fall out of his mouth. People should, uh, machine, 
uh, machines should work, people should think for, for I think it was IBM. Um, and, and Emil Gargano was a, you know, absolutely perfection uh, art director and Jim Jerfe, brilliant writer. They were, they were creative agencies run by creative people. And that back then is what made the difference. They weren't a bunch of, as we call them, bean counters. They were honestly wonderful, fabulous, creative people that respected the product. And it was at a time when industries were being invented. You know, it was the first time we were there in Alley. It was the FedEx account when they were a nothing little, you know, delivery system um, that was based on a paper that the the president, Fred, um, I forget Fred's last name, Fred Smith, I think, that had written at um, at Harvard that had gotten a, a like a failing grade, but said, "Who's going to send packages from New York? If you want to send them to someplace in New York, first it'll go down south from by an airplane, then it's flown." back to be sent across the street that'll never work long story short yeah that was fedex fedex now but did, now one of the big accounts at, at amirati was ups did you work on that too i did okay yeah, I worked on that too. yeah and uh, i and back at della femina even though i didn't work on it we had um the yellow delivery dhl dhl yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i remember you see, them are important for design and and uh, and, and recognition Yes, that's true. We do remember that. So, so you, so you were at Gargan, Ali and Gar, no, was it Ali and Gargano or just Carl Ali at that point? Carl Ali, and while I was there, it switched to Ali and Gargano. Okay, and then you went to Amirati and Puris, and then it was it was was uh, um, uh, Young and Y and R your next stop in the. No, then from Amirati, I went to Hal Reiney and Partners. Ah, yes, that was my first creative director job. Right. So tell us about Hal Reiney. I mean, you know, his voice is famous. Uh, it's very odd when you're brushing your teeth and you hear your, your boss's voice come out of the uh, the radio next to you. Right. Uh, but selling him, wine. <laughs> selling wine and other things. I mean, he was a very, very significant voiceover as well yes. as an agency, as well as one of the best writers I've ever met. He was very salt of the earth. Um, didn't speak much, but when he did, you know, you listen because you had something to say. I used to say when Carl, when um, <laughs> all these people, when um, Hal would stand up, oak tree roots would come out of his shoes and, and ground him. That's what oh, wow. he seemed like. He was so much a part of America and, and that kind of uh, back then work ethic. Right. But you told me that you didn't originally didn't want to go work with Hal Reiney. Because he could also be a dick. <laughs> he was he was impossible. He was a misogynist. He, uh, you know, he hated New York. He hated New Yorkers. Um, I and I was, you know, I was a female. I was from New York, and I was a little bit of a, you know, wise ass, which ended up saving me. But um, I didn't think he would want me, and I was quite happy at Emirati. So it really had to be something special for uh, for me to have changed my mind. And I think it was the thought of running my own. Uh, agency and a small one so I can kind of like um, training wheels I could learn how to be a creative director you know by being a creative director which right. is actually why I have that class now right to help people. so what are the talents I mean let's talk about that class um, what are the talents that you need to have to be a creative director are they the same as they were in in 1999 as they are in 2023 no 1999, it just had to do great work and bash it out of other people and make sure the agency, you know, kept getting awards and kept doing better and better work uh, at the at the agencies I was at. However, um, you also bred a lot of really tough 
mean <laughs> creative directors who just would in the guise of focusing on the work sometimes demean people i know people who worked at agencies where um they were led by creative people but you know get the hell out of my office and come back when you bring something good no direction no nothing you were just expected to keep you know testing yourself and now um talent you could be a, a mediocre creative director a, a mediocre talent and be a great creative director you could also be an incredible talent and be a lousy creative director because you don't have the administrative abilities you don't have the um the patience it takes to deal with people you have to be it's not that you have to be kinder and gentler it's that you have to have more empathy i i, I used to say to people that three people walk into your office or appear on your screen however you however you're leading none of them are going to come with solutions every one of them is going to come with a problem mm -hmm. and you cannot treat every single one of them the same you have to know this one i just have to give clear direction they'll just take off and do it that one i have to be really careful the way i put things because he could be a little sensitive i'll be careful and the third one i'm going to have to work with a little bit more my uh i had someone speaking at the class the other day who's so uh, president at, at ketchum and he said something brilliant he said i don't change my leadership style that's who i am but I change my management style with each individual that I deal with. And that's kind of what you need to know as a creative director, in addition to knowing your budget. Um, it, it, there are a lot of things that keep us from being presidents of agencies, but keep us being you know, creative people. Uh, sometimes it's like, I don't bother me with that. I'm just interested in the work, the work, the work. But if you want to get higher and higher and higher, uh, you know, in, in the business and in, in um, in responsibility for business, you know, you have to, you have to know uh, a bit more than just how to do creative work. That's why not everybody wants to do it. So how, so, so how do you motivate? Do you have a secret to motivating or do you have, you know, what is your, what is your style? Well, um, I don't take too, I, I, I take my work seriously. Yes. I do take that seriously. I don't take life that seriously. I also knew, even though I probably devoted more of my life to advertising and to time in the office than I did to my personal life, I will say, because I loved it. And I didn't mind, well, everybody minds, three months in a row without a Saturday or Sunday. Uh, it got to the point where the women who, who colored their hair, not that I ever did, but we called, <laughs> called them Amorati Roots. Because you haven't gone in three months, and we all end up looking like uh, everybody looked during the uh, uh, pandemic. So um, I lost track totally. I was I was busy back in Amorati roots. Yeah. Oh, I, I was well, I was curious how you motivate. What you know? How do you motivate? So so creatives come to you. They come to your office. They come with ideas that are not necessarily on strategy, or in your opinion, not really fully baked or not even good how do you how do you get them to go back and do it again the easiest one to deal with is not on strategy because that is very come on tell me here's what we're going for here's what we're doing this is what this does do you think that's on strategy if you're dealing with smart people and hopefully you're only dealing with smart people they'll go all right you're right but we liked it so we brought it in okay go back and do something on strategy if it's bad because there's no talent then you could work forever. You're not going to get much better. If it's off, and if you know the, 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 there's talent there, then you have to take the time and you have to say, it's off, here's why. Here's where I've seen you do better. I think you can do better. 
or there's the gem that's in this thing, but you've hidden it. So throw out the first two things and concentrate on this one. Do you see where this is better? And sometimes it's just as simple as people putting work down and just looking at them and saying, is this the best you can do? Right. Now, if they say yes, that's fine. And then you, if they say no, they'll take it back. Right. And then after a while, you know, you'll get, I, I say to my students, no, you're not a leader if you turn around and no one is following you. Oh, it's not something brilliant. that you just go, you know, I'm a leader. There ain't right. nobody back there. <laughs> right, right, right. So you were the leader, you were the chief creator, and then you were at um, YNR, which is a huge world at the time and still is a huge world. Now it's YNR, VML, YNR, or something like that. I think um, the YNR is at the end. Yeah, so many, so many uh, initials there. But it was at the time, what, the fourth or fifth biggest agency in the in the world, at the, it, right? It was huge and i was supposed to go in there with someone in fact they approached me and uh gordon uh, gordon bowen uh, oh gordon, yeah yeah but gordon stayed where he was i think it was mccann um yeah. and you know they they offered the rest of it to me so i went from having a a creative department of three teams which is six people to having 179 people reporting to me not only that each floor of the of YNR at that point, they, they called it, I don't know, uh, they had so many things, the, the whole leg, they called it this, they, they had three different creative directors um, that ran three different groups under the YNR, and I think they all had their own P&L. So very complicated when they say, this woman from down the block is coming in, she's going to be chief creative officer. And by the way, you're all older than her and you all have at least five or 10 years on her in the business. Boy, did they welcome me. Right. So, and how did I deal with it? This, you know, short little girl from, you know, from, from Queens. I just did my job. I, I did go in to my first meeting um, and say to the group, the only thing you guys told me about this place that was the truth was the address and really? the rest of it. Oh yeah. The rest of it, I had to work out. Clients were half out the door. Uh, they were operating on, they were, they were sitting on laurels that were so thin that dust would raise when everybody sat down. You can't just say, remember when we got the post office, remember when we got Hallmark, remember when we got, and one day I said to Alex Kroll and the whole bunch of them, I said, Hey guys, Hey guys, how long ago was that? So that's my style. I don't really filter myself because I'm a low talker for the most part. And because I'm, I'm five, two and I three quarters now, five, two and a half. Uh, I had to do something to say, you're going to listen to me. And I did it by unfortunately, and I could no longer do it. I just, I think I scared them. Uh, I talk, I, I talk like a sailor. One of the reasons I left the business for a while and then, and then came back again later is I was getting too hard. I was getting mm -hmm. too harsh mm -hmm. and I didn't like myself. And mm -hmm. I turned down a job offer. I, in fact, I still have the cocktail napkin for an amount of money that if my father had seen me turn that money down, he would have died again. You know, it's yeah. like, you got to be kidding me. But sure. it wasn't about the money at that point. It was about, you know, uh, wanting to define myself other than through work. So what would you consider is if you had to pick out your biggest success, because it sounds to me like you really had a, 
um, you were in the water pushing a cruise ship as you were trying to change Y&R. What would you say is your biggest success? What is the thing that you point to and you say, I did this? Well, my biggest success at Y&R was JW? No, it was Y&R, the softer side of Sears. Oh. Now, Sears at that point, um, and I did it with work that I never thought in my life I would ever approve because I worked at these hoity-toity um, boutique agencies that we were hard hitting and about doing this gorgeous, beautiful, and and the closest we got to a jingle was they had a wonderful theme for Club Med. The Club Med vacation, the antidote for civilization. I have to tell you that is my favorite tagline ever. <laughs> I just think it's brilliant. Martin. Martin Puris, he's he, he is the king prince of uh, of taglines. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, but um, we did a jingle for the softer side of Sears uh, for a concept um, that was a, it was a good concept. It was a good strategy. So you know, I admit all of that. But this was one of those pieces of music that just stuck in your head forever, and was the strategy. And it was. This is, I'm going to brag about this because it never happened to me before or since. At the briefing, the client wasn't even there. At the briefing, when the agency was briefing the agency people on Sears, they kept talking about what Sears was known for. They kept talking about the, you know, the dishwashers and the this and the appliances and the tools. And I did a little, and, and the women were there, but they were buying stuff for their husband. So my thought was if the women are already there you just have to get them to leave this department and come see the other department so there's the hardware side and then there's the softer side and i did a picture exactly i did a picture of a um by using my drawing skills a tank uh, or a lawnmower or something and it's a woman uh, it's a woman's hand she's holding up a bra and it said look what i found uh, at, uh, on the other side of Sears, and I wrote down softer side. And and I fought for that for the next six months as we pitched. We went through a lot of different lines, but I fought for the softer side. And I thought that song brought it up to the top. So back in the day, a piece of work that I would never have said I would ever be capable of overseeing uh, ended up winning the account. And one of the reasons I, I left is they fought me tooth and nail. I had a great group of creative people and we really worked as a wonderful team. And then there were the others, the account people who the president of the agency at the time, no names necessary, you can look it up. <laughs> and uh, head of the agency, you can also look him up. I saw them, two people who fought against it, who I had to convince to go with the softer side, hug each other and congratulate each other on winning the account. And I just thought, I'm out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, it's a business where people don't get uh, every everyone uh collaborates on an idea, but then everybody thinks it was their idea. Yeah. Yeah. So you so, you got to fight for it. Yeah. So you let, let me let me just, you know, bring that you've taken your years of being, you know, working your way up at Ali, Amirati, Jay Walter, Y&R, Hal Riney, Y&R and you Sachi now have a what Sachi and Sachi wellness i don't want to leave that one out oh yeah Sachi and Sachi wellness right and now you have a class on how to be a creative director what are the core principles that you're teaching your students in that class um well 
I teach the first and last classes. It's a 10 week course. And uh, in between I have guest, guest um, instructors. Some of the best people in the business, you know, are wonderful. They will still pick up the phone and say, you know, you know, can I help? They love giving back. So that part is covered. And we do like an, uh, from the account side, from the uh, financial side, from uh, DEI, H and uh, HR. What we do is we say, how do you like working with a creative director in your capacity as head of strategy? How, you know, what advice would you give the creative director? I had somebody last week who was chief marketing officer of Kmart when they did the ship yourself campaign, mm -hmm. because he was also a, a creative behind it. And it was gangbusters worked for them. But uh, he was able to say, you know, when the client goes back, they talk about the agency and how they were treated. So they were people are able to see on both sides, you know, how how is my saying, we won't change that registering with your client. Uh, realizing that you've been living with a piece of work for a month and we present it in a moment and expect our client to understand it like that. I don't know if you could hear it, but I did snap my fingers. I'm just not good at that. Um, so, uh, it, you know, it, it's, it's ways of realizing not everything you will need to know at the end of 10 weeks, but you will know what you will have to work on. You'll know, uh, you'll, you'll know things you didn't know before. You'll learn from each other because there are 25 people in there and I network them and they're all seniors. And I interview every single person to make sure they're the right person at the right level. So really they learn from each other and I teach listening, I teach mindfulness and I teach, okay, you're, your, your creative director, what style leadership? Is there a style? What is your style? And making people realize in that position, if you walk in in a bad mood, if you're on premises, even if they can tell on online like this, you're in a bad mood, everybody's not going to be thinking maybe he or she has something that they're dealing with. They're going to be thinking, what did I do? Oh my God, I'm about to lose my job. You bring your attitude and you bring the atmosphere and you bring the culture. And that's a big responsibility. It is a big and responsibility. Yes. So, so um, in closing, you have you this whole um, t discussion has been filled with advice and ideas, and I would expect nothing less from a, from a creative of your caliber. Um, I do like to close all of my podcasts by asking you, you know, what is the best advice that you need to give a student, you know, step, getting ready to step out into the world of advertising or media or technology? What would you say to them, him, her, okay. or them? Two most important pieces of advice, truly. Number one, I don't care if it's $5 a month, start saving your money now. This is not a business that puts aside. This is not a business that you can say, I'm going to get a pension or I'm going to get that. You start saving your money now. Number two, the only person in charge of your career is you. Do not wait for a place to, you know, uh, what, what are your plans for my growth in this organization? You better have your own plans and learn when to leave. But those are the two pieces of advice. Save your money. And remember that you're the one in charge. I think that's very empowering. Uh, and again, I would expect nothing left, less from somebody who's had the career you've had. Thank you so much, Elaine, for sharing. This has really Welcome. been a fantastic conversation. You made this a pleasure. Oh, Thank you. <laughs> I, I feel like we've been friends forever. Does, doesn't it feel like that? <laughs> it's the quote.
section. <laughs> it is. Thank you, Ali. Thank you. This has been Conversations with the Creators, sponsored by St. John's Master's Program in Integrated Advertising Communications. Thanks to all our guests, my colleagues Professor Audrey Siegel Mavora, Kevin James, Christine Munk, and our producer Miriam Prever. Keep on ideating.